Welcome back to the Superfluous Speculations Podcast. I'm your host Joshua Stein and today we'll be talking about artificial intelligence based on the example of an application most of you may know. So stay tuned. Most of you will probably have heard about it, know roughly what it is. It's basically an attempt to recreate, uh, well, human intelligence, right? Natural intelligence, as we may say. And uh, within the field of artificial intelligence, you distinguish between general artificial or artificial general intelligence, which would be like a, a full-fledged thinking machine that um, basically has reached the levels of intelligence that we as humans have so um, it could articulate itself uh, plan um, do math invent create so on and so forth um, that is in contrast to narrow uh, artificial narrow intelligence um, which would be um, a machine that only has the capacity to exert its intelligence in one specific domain, which could be planning, right? Uh, you might have like a local or a specific narrow AI that um, is, for example, uh, specialized to plan uh, logistical things, right? So uh, you work in a say well logistical company that ships uh, containers overseas well you might have an artificial intelligence that like analyzes the patterns of uh, storage what comes in when what goes where and so on and so forth and just um, autonomously comes up with like better ways to do stuff and so on and so forth that could be an example of narrow uh, narrow AI no um, for now, I think we don't have to talk about sentience. You, um, well, that's like a separate topic, and like if you can divorce sentience from the general artificial intelligence, or if you can't, but I don't get into that now. Um, I don't know if I mentioned it before. I am no expert on the field. I had one course that uh, briefly touched on it in uni. It's called philosophy of brain, mind and behavior, <clears throat> but um, I have no idea about the technical ways all of this works. Well, I, I understand the basics of machine learning, but it's all very rudimentary, but it shouldn't interest us for today, because um, <clears throat> the point I want to make later on is uh, well, kind of divorced from that, so we'll be, we'll be just fine. We just talked about general versus narrow uh, AI. A narrow AI could, for example, be applied in the field of language, right? Which explains, or well, doesn't explain, uh, it's rather convenient because I want to talk about Grammarly. That was the example I was talking about earlier. 
um, I guess most of you will heard of it by now through all the YouTube's ads and pardon me, um, yeah, ads on all kinds of platforms. Uh, for those that don't know, it's uh, it's an app that helps you uh, write. Uh, it's like a spell and grammar check, but it also helps you phrase things, and we'll get into that uh, later. So. Yes, um, specific or narrow AI. Um, yeah, that's what we'll be talking about mostly today. Um, so to understand it a bit, like how you make an an AI, you might have heard the word uh, machine learning by now, which is uh, a process by which you can try to construct uh, an artificial intelligence. Machine learning was uh, coined by a certain uh, Arthur Samuel in 1950, uh, 1959, and he defined it as the ability to learn without being explicitly programmed. <coughs> so what that basically means is um, you don't write code um, out and then you have the machine follow that code exactly and that creates an AI. There was an attempt, uh, it was made at some point, uh, where they thought, okay, if we just pump immense amounts of uh, information into a machine, eventually it will become sentient, it, it will become uh, intelligent, uh, sentient, I don't know, but intelligent, because uh, it knows all the things there are to know, and that's that, well, it has a, well, Wikipedia-like attempt, basically getting all together all things we know about the world but uh, yeah it definitely did work um, machine learning uh, works a bit different uh, it a machine does not know to need to know the rules to understand the thing so it's more the process that um, you just let the machine do a thing so like of course you need some rudimentary rules input uh, um, so that the machine does anything at all uh, but if, after that you basically go and just let the mis machine do a thing and then you just tell it if it was right or wrong yeah? you just give it feedback uh, if I just explain it on a chess computer um, if you pro program a chess computer to make well basically you program it with the ability to make a move, right? That's just, that's all you need. You, you program the computer that it's able to make a move and respond to feedback. Um, it doesn't know which we need to know which rules work or which are good moves or which were uh, which moves are allowed moves. But um, so you just give it the ability to well, make a move in the game and then send you feedback and then you just let it start playing so you let it make a move and if it's a move that's not allowed you just tell it no you can't do that and uh, if it makes a move that it can do you say yes you can do that and um, you, well in that case you also would need the um, I think, I'm not sure, so don't quote me on this, but um, you would give the computer 
uh, the goal to win the game, whatever that means. And, uh, but I'm really not sure if that will go away. See, there's so much of expert diet. No, but um, to just tell the computer, yeah, you can make that move, but you can't make that move. Or this is a bad move, this is a good move. And then you just iterate it over time, right? So you just keep on doing that. And after a while, the computer will start following the rules of the game. The computer does not know the rules of the game, but it will follow the rules of the game. And uh, then you iterate further, and then the computer will start to get good at it, right? To try to actually win the game, and then win the game maybe with less uh, moves, and so on and so forth. And if you can call that intelligent behavior, that well, you, you could discuss that. But um, yeah, so that's basically like how you you do machine learning, and you can use that for um, well to produce, for example, uh, a narrow AI. Now, why am I telling you all this? What does this have to do with Grammarly? Well, Grammarly is such a narrow AI. Right, uh, it's made of algorithms uh, that try to comprehend, well, comprehend language. Um, then, well, you could go into the discussion like is comprehension based on sentience, so that you have to understand, you have to know it there to understand it, or is it is uh, exhibiting behavior that is similar to a thing? That understands and knows and is sentient. Is that good enough? So, yeah. So that is you. You, you could bring up that point, but we don't need to for this episode, at least. Um, so Grammarly does seem to understand language to a certain extent. At least it can navigate within language. Otherwise, it would be such a popular um, well application. Because what it does is, um, it uh, well, you can add it as an extension to your browser. You could um, add it to your Word or uh, email programs and so on and so forth, and it will just read through um, everything you write. And uh, yeah, like many other programs, will inform you when you do a spelling uh, mistake or a punctuation error so that's that's not groundbreaking but it also uh, reads your sentences and then finds semantic uh, semantic Sem no. semantic syntactic semantic semantic yeah that's the word semantic mistakes um, um, semantic mistakes or inaccuracies so if you use weird formulations it will spot that it will um, tell you hey why don't you formulate it this or that way that would sound smoother or more uh, this way more formal more professional and so on and so forth so this, this AI this narrow AI understands what or weird word to use but recognizes it recognizes well, a lot of those words are kind of charged in this debate I, I presume 
again I'm not an expert but I, I could see where people might object no but it it, it kind of gets that uh, you're saying this that and uh, it gets that this formulation might be less formal or whatever than another one and will suggest you uh, another grammatically uh, correct alternative with the same uh, semantic content with the same meaning which is kind of impressive to be fair uh, but um, this is where uh, well I object where I have um, a problem with it or uh, some concerns with it that's why I, I'm talking about this while I'm making this episode um, there's a thing that uh, one of my teachers in uh, high school said and uh, it kind of stuck with me uh, he said and I think he was just quoting at that point um, the borders of my language are the borders of my world right and if you think about it what are words words are categories they're, they're discriminate categories of things right you you say the word apple what do you mean obviously an apple but uh, what constitutes an apple and what doesn't constitute an apple is uh, what well, you, you can have multiple factors uh, determining that right so you can say the shape alright but there's other things that or you could at least imagine other things that are not an apple to have the same shape or the color but then there's red apples and there's green apples so it's not only color but apples usually fall within that color but if we would I don't know breed some kind of blue apple it would still be an apple although so far there are no blue apples right so it's 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 a distinct category that it's this multifaceted and um, so you have that and you you divide the world in, in those categories in those boxes um, right and this is quite intricate if you think about it right if you think about for example a lamp right we all know what a lamp is it's, it's a thing that makes light but um, there's also a lamp in a car right yes 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 there's lamps to so you can see where you're going at night as well and so that you can be seen on the street and so forth but um, we consider the lamp as a object that can be part of the car but it, you know having that ability doesn't make the car a lamp right so we have hierarchies and certain understandings of things in the world that are um, well based on the categories we put it in right so a lot of things just become that thing when we perceive it to be that thing which is putting it in a category which we then translate usually into a word so um, different uh, cultures have no in different languages we have obviously different words for things but um, the categories can sometimes be the same right so an apple in uh, German or in English or in French they have different words for it but the concept is the same but uh, 
in other languages uh, you have words that are uh, that for example don't exist in other other languages or only exist with a different connotation so if you uh, this the way you categorize those things will have an effect on how you perceive those things and uh, we all inherit this language that we speak as our mother tongue and this language will shape how we perceive the world to be as the one thing and then we add grammar on just the words that we have and grammar is explaining the well not the relationship between things so far really nothing groundbreaking <coughs> and when we put those together we can start formulating thoughts right there's a reason it's called to formulate a thought because speaking talking does help us to formulate that thought to to, to put those ideas, those concepts, categories that we have in our minds together with grammar and the structure, this connection between those uh, concepts we had earlier into one framework that we can call a thought. So formulating our thoughts being rather important overall, I'd say, is a thing we shouldn't take lightly, at least our ability to. Now, um, no, we basically get to the meat of it. Um, there is a thing called nudge theory, right? And it has to do with uh, giving subtle cues. So, um, well, subtle cues to um, push, well, not push, nudge a person into making one choice over the other to change the behavior of that person just using subtle cues here and there you don't have to coerce you just start restructuring the architecture of that person's choice to match uh, your goal right there's a famous example of when the airport in Amsterdam the Schiphol um, little flies in the urinals, right? To give them something to aim at. That is you could see is a nudge, right? You just put this little cue, this fly in there, and suddenly the choice of well actually paying attention to where you piss or not um, is by a subtle cue suddenly not forced but directed in a certain way of course you can just not pay attention to it but overall it did so you just give subtle cues and they give an incentive to go in one direction or they just pay uh, direct your attention in that way you know so there's that uh, and that uh, on that note I can maybe mention Derek uh, Derek, no, it's not Derek. Darren, Darren Brown. Let me just, yeah, Darren Brown. He's a British uh, 
well, not magician, well, he started off as a magician, but he's basically a hypnotist, and later started doing something he calls all the psychological magic, or something like that, I don't remember. But uh, he is very um, proficient in the nudge, uh, well, the nudging of people. Um, he has a couple movies online uh, or documentaries. It's really uh, difficult to discern, and that was um, like if I just can give you one or two of them. It's the push and sacrifice, and in those. Uh, movies, documentaries, however you may call them. Uh, he basically starts um, designing a world or, or a situation for people to live through that is so directive, constantly nudging to make the person going through a situation act in a certain way. So. Um, Usually it goes the way that he'll have an audition for some kind of film or movie or something and then he'll um, take well, the people that are most susceptible, uh, he'll choose them but then send them home and tell them well you haven't been selected and then designs the very intricately uh, made situation where everything has some kind of nudging effect and then after a couple of months when they already forgot that they auditioned for a thing he will organize uh, in some way that those people will be um, well will get into the situation he designed so he he'll get I don't know hundreds of actors but dozens of actress, actors and um, design the entire situation uh, he, he'll rent out a house in, in the push um, I, I might spoiler here but uh, in the push the basic premise is trying to within an hour or hour and a half trying to get a person to push someone out of a building which would kill them so he'll just lay out this. Uh, well, this. Oh, you should watch it yourself. But he basically lays out the entire situation, and then stuff happens, and there's like subtle cues and little nudges here and there. Uh, and in the end, uh, three of four participants actually go on to push that person off the building. Um, no, you could always argue. Well, how real is all of that? I don't know. I, I've seen him giving an interview about it, and he seemed pretty sincere about it. I don't know, but the, the premise stands. And it also, nudging became rather controversial as a as a political practice because um, they, well, there's there's the talk to use that to well direct the population a certain way or the other. But let's just leave the nudging away for now and go to classical conditioning. I think most of you will know about classical conditioning. Uh, it was pioneered by Pavlov. You probably know the Pavlov's dog, right? The dog 
every time a bell rings, um, food comes and then the dog produces a saliva so after enough repetitions of pairing the food and the bell, the ring of the bell will already um, have the response of the dog yeah, producing more saliva. So that's classical conditioning, right? So you just start pairing two stimuli often enough and the reaction to one stimuli will now also appear when you see the other one. And now I really get to where I was going with all this is that I find it at least a bit concerning that uh, we have an AI program that starts giving us alternatives or options to choose when we we start talking when when we are formulating our thoughts when we are writing out our thoughts and it starts generating alternatives to what we say and uh, yeah it, it just suggests other other ways to formulate and say things I, I, I wouldn't have any program influence the, the way we think about things uh, and, and writing is thinking on, on, on a certain level and I'm, I'm quite sure of that now, of course, I, I won't go on the barricades uh, and then uh, start cursing out, uh, I don't know, word for having spell check, right? So if, if you just do a spelling mistake, like, alright, like, I, I don't mind that that's corrected. I, I don't mind it if a computer program uh, tells you where you should have put a comma or that you forgot a point or uh, a full stop or that you didn't, you know start with a capital letter in a new sentence that's all good but uh, when it comes to actual writing and putting your thoughts into into words having a a program influence the words you choose I think that can be very dangerous now I don't want to go to the extreme where like we start uh, well like all the doom and gloom about AI taking over the world and killing all humans. I mean, it could happen. We all know that it could happen. But um, that's not even the thing I'm, I'm afraid of. In 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 the, well, in the short term at least. Um, that's more that. This is a program, right? Because there is a, um, a narrow AI making all those suggestions and so on and so forth. But there's also the people that tell the AI, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, also tell the AI what's right, what's wrong, because machine learning works by you know telling the machine what is right, what is wrong, what to use, what not to use, and you never know what those the people doing that think, and you can go full-fledged government conspiracy and say oh uh, the government might start using those um, well using those uh, technologies to influence the way we think um, 
or the company's gonna do it, large corporations gonna use it to, to influence us, or maybe there's just like one or two people in a company that just, you know, have a political idea of one or the other kind and just throw you know, their little political agenda in the mix and then um, yeah, influence vast amounts of people that way. Uh, I think um, well, how it comes together is basically that you have this AI that, well, as I already said, is told what's right and what's wrong by some human entity. And, um, yeah, well, it basically starts exposing you with a certain alternative. So it may just pair certain words together, right? So you can have, like, on a very obvious political issue, you could have it... Um, express the words or, or put together the words like I don't know immigrant and illegal or immigrant and I don't know good or productive or or lazy you know like all, all those words if, if they are constantly paired with uh, immigrants so if you always say lazy immigrant or productive immigrant or illegal immigrant or help seeking immigrant whatever it be um, and you're probably not gonna see the word immigrant all the time, but you know, like a general trend of like maybe more left leaning or more right leaning um, formulations uh, in your text. That I think, that I, again, I might be talking out of my ass here, but I could very well see how that could have an effect on attitudes that on the attitudes of the people using that program and I, I think that is not to be underestimated given that there are probably already millions of users of this application and um, who knows where that might go one day because I think hologram meets stuff didn't it like at least with the ads they just popped up like last year or so, so I don't think it's that that old technology so it probably will take more speed up eventually and yeah so it might make it easier to write a paper or it might make it easier to whatever to uh, write an email and maybe make you sound more formal or so on and so forth but just the principal idea of having a program or giving program the choice to like alter the way you write I, I think that could be dangerous I don't know it might be that's it from my side for now at least uh, thank you all for listening and sitting through my shitty mic and my cracked up voice I think I'll, I'll be buying a better mic eventually if I stick with the whole podcasting and such and my voice will surely also get better at some point. I, yeah, right, I wanted to say that I set up a Twitter account and an email address. So if you want to react, uh, reply or comment on whatever I have been talking about, uh, you can do it there at superfluous speculations and other cortical flatulences. <laughs> 
at the Twitter account and my um, <coughs> sorry email address is uh, superfluous full stop speculations at gmail.com and uh, well given that at the time of recording I have zero followers I'm sure that I'll get to your messages right away there's no line so feel free Thank you all and uh, I'll see you in the next one.